Hi, my name is Dr. Sarah Adams. I am a board-certified pediatrician, but I'm not your pediatrician. Feel free to use my podcast as helpful information, but in no way do I intend my podcast to replace the advice of your physician. Your physician knows you and is in the best position to provide medical advice. Hello and welcome to Growing Up with Dr. Sarah. This is episode three, and I'm really excited to have a very special guest with me in the studio today. Her name is Colleen McCarter, and she's the founder of SustainWell. She has a bachelor's in nutrition and dietetics from the University of Akron. She's a former Weight Watchers leader, a passionate health advocate and nutrition coach, and she's been working in this industry for over 28 years. Welcome, Colleen. Thank you, Sarah. I'm really excited to talk to you today because as a nutritionist and as a health coach, a health health advocate coach, I get lots of questions from my patients and my families about how they can do better to feed their families. And one of the challenges that I find is that realistically, their their diet, their hunger cues, their, you know, understanding when they're hungry and when they're full starts in the first what I call 1000 days, which is zero to two years. And so those are the times when the brain is really starting to come together. And they're really starting to understand, I like this, I don't like this. And the more variety that we give them in those first early years, the more likelihood they're going to continue with a lifestyle of eating a healthy, well-balanced diet. But that's not always easy. Because in my other episodes, I've mentioned about eating, sleeping, and pooping. And eating is something you just can't make a child do. But not only do I find that that picky eating is a very common topic, but even, you know, as they grow, some kids just want to know, what can I do to just eat and feel better? Maybe they're an athlete and they want to be, um, you know, stronger and more physically capable. So I guess my first question is, how do you get parents and kids to try different things to have that well-balanced diet? I mean, that is a great question, and it is really challenging because if I, the parent, don't like a particular food, I'm not going to introduce that particular food group. As well as, you know, the parents today are so busy and have their kids in every sport, every activity, and they are trying to maintain a household, a job. Um, Maybe their parents are still alive. So that's that sandwich generation. And they really, unfortunately, have not had a parent or we don't have home ec anymore. So they really don't know how to cook or prepare a meal that is um, ready, that's healthy, that's nutritious. And they get a lot of mixed messages in that arena um, of what to cook. And, oh, you, I need to cook like my grandma the pot roast and the mashed potatoes <laughs> and have the apron on with the pearls and all that kind of stuff. And the reality is they do not have time for that. No. 
So it really needs to be kind of um, like Paula Deen, almost homemade, really simple and easy, a little bit of of already prepared foods with the variety of the uh, fresh raw fruits and vegetables and introducing those kind of things to the child. It's interesting because I know even as a parent, it my kids would just grab and go. And sometimes, you know, whether it's breakfast in the morning or snacks, they're studying, you know, they're going to pick up what is easy and accessible. And it was funny because one day I did an experiment because I, I always have, you know, the carrots and the hummus and the, the um, apples in the refrigerator and yogurt, but nobody's going in the fridge to get it out. Right. And one day I took the carrots out and set the hummus out. I, I sliced the apples and it was gone. Right. Right. So right. let's start with – Let's talk about breakfast. Okay. If that's okay. Yeah. Um, a lot of times kids don't want to eat breakfast. And the studies have shown that if they do eat breakfast, that they're more likely to focus and concentrate during the day. But it's it's hard, no matter what age. So what are some really fast and easy breakfast ideas you would give families? And, and that's such a good question because I've done workshops with um, parents. That's what I love to do in sustainable, bringing clients to the table or working at Heinen's or one of those. One of the things I love to make is taking a flour tortilla or a wrap and putting your natural peanut butter on it, throwing a banana in it and rolling it up and cutting it in half and making, I call it a peanut butter banana roll up. You can cook, put it into little spirals if they don't want something like that. You can also do like a hard boiled egg, not that all the kids will like it, but you can also take a mason jar and layer some mucilix cereal because you can have that cold or hot Put that on the bottom or granola, and then I like a nonfat Greek yogurt, and then you can put your berries, blueberries, strawberries, and kind of layer in a parfait and then shut the lid, and they can grab that and go. I love that idea. I think that sounds great because they don't have time, and it's the morning is always so rushed, right? And it's amazing how many kids aren't eating breakfast. It's nice because some of the schools have some breakfast options once they get there, but they're not always the best options. Well, let's take it one step further. And now thinking about school, just off the top of my head, what do you recommend as far as lunch? Sometimes what I'll do is I'll tell them to look at the menus ahead of time and plan and offer some suggestions if they like to buy lunch. But what are some ideas as far as packing lunches? Packing can be a challenge because if you think about it, you know, you want to be a part of the in crowd. You want to be part of the group. What is everybody eating? And if people are bringing Lunchables, which isn't the healthier option, then you want to bring Lunchable like your friend, you know, Mary or Joe or whatever. But you as the parent could make a Lunchable type of thing. So you could actually take and put some nuts and some turkey off the bone lunch meat and a little bit of grapes and you get those already kind of containers that are portable and have it for them. You can even make your own, um, those peanut butter and jelly round witches 
Yeah. Because you can buy a, a Pampered Chef has one of those machines that you could squash the bread. Yes. And make it really cutesy. I used to take cookie cutters and cut the bread, different types of bread, and put peanut butter and jelly on that or do egg salad or something like that and throw celery and carrots. You know, the more you make it appealing, whether it's the kid or the parent, you know, we all are kids at heart. So we need to establish these lunch patterns, not only for the kid, but for the mature adult who wants to be a kid at heart. (laughs) Because if you're not eating, the kid's going to say, well, dad doesn't eat lunch, so why should I? So it goes back to habits of behavior of what the parent's going to instill. So if the parent just grabs a cup of coffee, then John, who's a sophomore that has hockey practice, is just going to grab a cup of coffee. (laughs) And he's not going to be really good on the skates. That's true. That's true. So that's always a big challenge for me because the patient is technically the child or the adolescent. But I know that these changes are not going to happen unless the parents are all in. Because... They really need to model the behavior. I always say if you don't eat or like green beans or broccoli or Brussels sprouts, chances are they're not going to like it either. But I also tell them, too, it doesn't have to taste bad. So how do we make vegetables taste better so that we all like them? Well, we have to season them, find a seasoning that we like. And now there's like a plethora of spices that are um, good herbs. And we do have YouTube and different things to actually learn how to cut up basil and cilantro and different spices and put them in a little container and then try to spice it up on the Brussels sprouts because no one likes soggy vegetables. No. You know, and that's a lot of times what parents will do. They'll soak it to death or steam it to death and throw it on your plate. The water's still on it. And that's just really unappealing. So really making it al dente and throwing a little bit of olive oil and, you know, your uh, a garlic seasoning is always good. You got two brothers. You got a lot of the kids like the chipotle spice. And you can just kind of take a bunch like red pepper and garlic and mix your own and just really play around with it. And it's really important, and you'll probably agree with this, Sarah, is Getting the kids actively involved in meal preparation, seasonings, and the earlier you get them involved in pizza making, I'll often tell clients to do make your own pizza night where you either use an English muffin and then spread a little bit of sauce on it and let them put on some fresh broccoli, some fresh cauliflower peppers, onions, and have it all diced up, have it on one of those lazy Susans, and they create their own, using a bagel, English muffin, a flour tortilla, some people like thin crust, and then it's very easy. And then I tell people, like, pizza is not a meal. Pizza is a appetizer. Well, that's a good point. I never actually thought of it that way. You know, so the more I realize that, okay, if I eat pizza, how many slices do I eat? Because I'm hungry. Easy to wolf down six. Oh, yeah. I mean, or a whole pizza because you're hungry. And then what's the filler of that? And then you got the the sauce, which is a hot – spaghetti sauce is actually higher in sugar than an Oreo cookie. Wow. I had no idea. See, most people don't because they're not reading labels. So 
people are wondering why do I eat pizza and then I crave ice cream or or moms will say, you know, wow, why do I crave chocolate? Well, a lot of it is because of the ingredients, extra the extra sugar and the salt. So you got a lot of sugar in the sauce and then you got the dough and then you got the salt in your pepperoni and sausage. And if you're not eating it with um, a salad or broccoli to slow it down, your body is going to say, ooh, I think I need some sweet. Hmm. So then it's like, oh, what else do we have with pizza when it's pizza night? Maybe you're going to a party and it's brownies and cupcakes and cookies. Mm -hmm. So it's Doritos, pizza, brownie, cupcake, and cookies, and it's so-and-so's birthday. And that's what you associate the pizza night with. And that goes along with something that I say quite often, and that is there's all the time foods and there's some of the time foods. Right. Because I think I remember you telling me once, you know, we don't want a bad association with food. No. We don't want to create that. We want to create eating and living our life so that we feel good on the inside. And we know when we eat a lot of sh- eat things that have a lot of sugar in it, it doesn't really – might make us feel pretty good in the beginning when right. we're eating it, but overall it doesn't make us feel good. And a lot of times I see these kids and they just – because of the inflammation that's caused by some of their diet choices, right. they don't realize that the reason they feel sluggish or they can't concentrate or they're not sleeping well could absolutely be an effect of their diet. And this goes from, again, those – Early ages Correct. with that baby who's fussy, who's not sleeping, you know, or toddler um, to to adolescence. And so it's always such a big challenge. A lot of times, too, I'll hear people say, well, I, I'm really I'm trying to eat right. I'm exercising. I'm doing everything, but I'm not losing weight. And although this focus isn't going to be on weight. And in my last podcast, I do mention about body positivity and not focusing on weight, right. but focusing on nourishing our body and moving our body just so we could feel good. And so I, I try to emphasize that and really help them just take some small steps. So if you were counseling somebody, what would be one thing that you would want them to start with first? You know, that's the one thing I work with is looking at what are they eating as a whole, you know, for a week, kind of do the, I hate to say that, but that food tracker is a real kind of eye-opener of what habits and behaviors and what someone's eating. And if, you know, we go back to, you know, the my plate version and looking at, okay, could I add one vegetable or fruit to what I'm currently eating? So if I, for instance, breakfast, if you're just having a bowl of cereal, could I have some blueberries with it? I have a couple of blueberries. If I'm having eggs, could I cut up some peppers or tomatoes and put that with the eggs and make it a scramble or put a tomato on it? You know, if I'm having a sandwich, could I decrease the chips by having some celery, carrots, peppers, jicama? And could I add a little bit of measured ranch dip? So really looking at what is the missing link in that meal? Is it all complex carbohydrates and starches? Is it all proteins? You know, what is it? And really getting down to what have they been told or what are they looking at on the web of false information about good nutrition? 
So I've heard the expression, eat the rainbow. Can you explain that for us? So the rainbow is all colors. So it's your reds, your yellows, your oranges, your purples, your greens. So all the fruits and vegetables are array of colors. So you don't want to just eat all grays or all browns or all. And I might be unique and you may too, Sarah, but when I grew up is was like my mom and grandma made sure you had a protein, you had a vegetable and there was a salad and there was a little bit of starch. So they wanted all the plate to be full of a variety of things. So even during Lent, when it was a meatless meal, it was macaroni and cheese and a stewed tomato, which was the vegetable, and a salad. So we rounded it out or sliced apples. So we made sure that it wasn't, you know, one color. So when I sit down with, you know, families or moms, I say, you know, let's just not have chicken with mashed potatoes. That's, no, too that's white. not very colorful. You know, that's not very colorful. <laughs> so could we have chicken and maybe some broccoli and some brown rice? So at least it's very colorful because then again, as I mentioned before, we eat with our eyes. So we we want it to be hearty. And a, and a little kid, they want mealtime to be fun. Oh, yes, absolutely. I I tried to tell parents, look, don't fight it. Don't fight it. You know, one of the most important things is to set up a routine. And I love the eat the rainbow concept because I think young children, you know, of any age can really understand that. Having a routine is really important, though, too. And because then they learn to be hungry at the time that they need to eat. If they're snacking, you know, without really any limits or control, then what happens is when they get to dinner time, yeah, it's going to be hard to get them to sit and, you know, engage in conversation and eat the meal because they've been eating already. And kids know when they're hungry, they stop when they're full. As I mentioned, that starts in those first 1000 days. And we kind of miss that because we're trying to push them to eat dinner. So I try to tell parents, look, focus on getting a routine going. You've got your breakfast, your lunch, a snack, dinner, snack, you know, or maybe the snacks are mid-morning instead of in the evening, for example, depending on the time of year. And, you know, this time of year, we're going to bed a little bit earlier, the sun's going down. So that evening snack might not be necessary. But overall, what it is, is one to two snacks times times a day for a snack, and then three meals a day. I used to tell my son, hey, if you're still hungry, let's eat from a different food group. You right. mentioned the my plate. Can you explain to everyone what that actually is? It's really helpful to take. I hope everyone goes out and gets a paper plate mm-hmm. and fold it in half and then fold it in half again. So half of that plate really needs to be in like your vegetables and fruits. A quarter of it needs to be in your lean proteins, your meat, your fish, your pork, your turkey. And then the other quarter of that plate should be in your starches, like your pastas, your grains, um, your bread products and things like that. So that way you can see that. And for children, and I'm glad you brought this up, we forget that the size of the plate isn't ours. Absolutely. And it should be really, really small, almost the size of to start, you know, like, let's say, you know, birth to two, like a teacup. 
you know, that teacup plate and then work your way to a bread plate. And, you know, I really feel bad for, you know, new new um, brides that are going their registry because the cupboards aren't big enough for the plates that they have today. It's platters and things like that. And everybody's going like, where's the beef, you know, for the plate? And it really needs to be smaller and really downsize the plate and not the big plates with the rim. So if you can really bulk up on, you know, your cup of your broccoli and your green beans and asparagus and season them up and do a couple different colors, you're going to get the kid to be more successful. And you will too. I think that's wonderful because I also feel like, have you ever been to a restaurant and you, they give you the plate and it's so full and you might be hungry, but you're like, well, I'll never be able to finish all this. I think kids feel the same way. And so by putting you know, a reasonable amount. And I love the way you describe that my plate. That's, that's awesome. But putting a reasonable amount in there so that it's not overwhelming to their eyes. Like you said, we eat with our eyes. That's, that's perfect. And if you see that and they see, okay, I just have to eat this much right now. And then, you know, praise them for it, like really make a big deal. And I love the idea that you said mealtime should be fun. It should be a time to share. It should be together. And that's something that is really difficult with the busy family, especially once they hit teenage years and they're involved in a lot of activities. I try to to challenge them or motivate them to at least sit down together. I mean, every night would be perfect, but if we could even do two to three nights and engage in conversation, but don't just say, hey, how was your day? Or what did you do at school? You have to be specific, like what made you happy today? What made you sad and why? Um, And I think those, you know, tips can be really helpful. So routine, really looking at what it is that's, you know, how much you're putting on the plate and, and engaging them in conversation and not making mealtime a fight. Correct. And you, you bring up a good point. We talk a lot about busy parents with kids. And I think we need to be creative as to, okay, I'm, I'm taking Bob to soccer and Susie to ballet and we're running through Chick-fil-A. Do I have a minute to bring a tablecloth and could I sit at the park? I love that idea. You know, be creative. Or could I put my van, open my van hatch and have a little meal time in between the time. You know, be creative. It doesn't necessarily have to be at the table that set. That would be nice because that's where conversation, that's where you learn about problems with kids being bullied and things like that, which I'm sure you're going to do an episode on that because I know that's a topic <laughs> you know on, <laughs> I will. On, on your heart. But, you know, it's just we have to slow down and just really love on everybody. And food is love. And, you know, I've been trying to tell people, like, if you're just throwing a bag of chips on the table with the sub sandwich, what's that saying? Mm-hmm. You know, as as weird as it was, my grandma would open up the Heinz ketchup and the French's mustard and put it in some sort of dish. She would use her martini glasses for mm-hmm. mustards and ketchup. And it looked a lot better. And 
you you grow up and you have those things and then you get married and your fiance or your husband says, oh, forget it. That's too much time. You got to wash that. Just put the ketchup bottle on there. But we have to say, no, there's a reason there has to be love involved. Get the kids to wash those grapes and you know, cut the celery, cut things up, get them actively involved in the grocery shopping and say that they could put something on that list and do it together. I know people are doing, and I just did it for the first time, the um, shop online, pick up at Giant Eagle or Heinen's, pull up curbside pickup. Right. It took me two hours to do that. I was like, oh my God, I'm never going to, I should have just went to the store. and and <laughs> But if that's something you're doing, get the kids involved with that because they're on their iPad. They could probably, I mean, a young eight-year-old, if I had an eight-year-old, probably would have done my shopping for so much easier for me. They would know where the produce is. Maybe, Mom, let's do the grapes. Let's do, you know, honeydew. Let's do some peaches. Yeah, they would have figured it out <laughs> right away. figured it out. But get them involved in the meal planning. What might they like to have? You know, is it, do they make fruit kebabs, you know, with grapes and, and, uh, Strawberries and pineapple. blueberries and pineapple and all those kind of Which things. Which is yellow. <laughs> yeah, so you can kind of have a whole string of pearls on their little stick. And I, I you know, you could have a tailgate, like you said, open right. up the back and make it like a tailgate and, and make it fun. Those are way picnics. Yeah. You could even have a picnic in your living room if you want oh, to. Oh, yeah. For but don't sure. turn the TV on. No, I, no. Because I don't, I don't like distractions or, you know, I really recommend no electronics, et cetera. I, I think that these are all wonderful and fun ideas and one thing, too, I want to recommend to parents, grandparents, you know, whoever is taking care of kids, when you're trying to get them to eat some new foods, put it, put it together with some foods that you know that they already like. Right. And then I think they're going to be more likely to try it. And like you said, make it taste good. It's okay to to make it flavorable. And planning is really key. And I think, too, more and more people are starting – to plant their own vegetables right. and get have the kids help you with that because I think then they're going to be really involved and understand how it grows and it gives you an opportunity to talk about why eating healthy is important for your body and how it helps you feel good, how it helps you grow, how it helps you be um, a better person but also a better student, a better athlete, and just overall feel good. What really amazes me – you know, Sarah, and it kind of upsets me is that thoroughbred horses are fed better than children of today. And I'm sure you're aware of this probably more so than me, that the kids of today are having more diseases than you and I did growing up. We're seeing a lot of autoimmune diseases, a lot of different things because of that chronic inflammation, uh, because of all that processed food and and not enough vegetables that have those micronutrients that our body truly, truly needs. I agree. I agree. I like to say that what we eat affects so much of every part of our body, even mentally, that mind-body connection from just seeing it and and. It looks good. It tastes good. It smells good. And then, you know, eating it to nourish our body. 
But it's not easy because, no. you know, we, we are busy, but I really enjoyed a lot of the tips that you had for parents. And what it sounds to me like preparation and planning and having the kids get involved in that too can really be helpful. Having a routine, realizing that sometimes it'll take 30 times to get a, a child to to really try something, but don't give up. Right. You, know, you don't have to fight them. You could just offer it. But if you're not eating it, they're right. not going to eat it. Right, exactly. And that's, you know, another thing, and I think I mentioned to you, is trying something, at least giving it a three go around. Like just put a little bit of, maybe they say they don't like tuna. Try a little bit. Maybe it was because they didn't like the Miracle Whip. It's a sweeter part. Maybe they would have it just plain dry. You know, there's a, you can season it up. So really put it on their plate and say, Hey, try this and keep trying. They might not like it at age eight, but by the time they're 17, their palate changes and they like it. I have a funny story. So my nephew did not like green beans and we were all sitting at the table. It was, you know, my parents, his parents, and myself, and of course, my nephew, and we were trying to get him to eat the green beans. So each of us went around the table and said, I like green beans. I like green beans. I like green beans. We all did it. And then it got to him and he looked at us, you know, straight faced and said, I don't like green beans. (laughs) And to this day, we still tease him. And, and, you know, he's obviously a grown man now, but you know, but it was fun and it was funny. And I think eventually he did try the green beans and and he liked them. And so it's just, um, it's just continuing to try. Don't give up because yes. And, and try not to have the foods again, those some of the time foods readily available or in the home, because again, those are going to be the things that we all grab right before we grab the healthier options. There really is no off limit foods. I don't think we should have off limits. It should be, this is something we have once in a while. This is something that we have at a special occasion because it poses a problem when they go off to college. If they're not allowed to have brownies or cupcakes or chips in the house when they're on their own, that's all they might buy and they're going to gorge and hide it. And it's going to be, you know, a real, real, you know, kind of issue moving forward. It should be, you know, this is what a serving looks like. Maybe start with the the snack bag of Lay's potato chips and use that as a gauge versus a no-no. Right. I mean, and and reading the the labels is so important. You mentioned that before. You know, some things will say it'll look like it's just one serving, but in reality, it's two. Right. And you eat the whole thing, then you've now doubled your serving size. And so if you're going to double your serving size, do it with fruits and vegetables. Right. And that's where that goes back to that my plate, half your plate is in the fruits and vegetables. So you're slowly teaching yourself and your child that I don't really need to eat that much pasta or that much rice. I need to be eating more of the broccoli, the carrots, the celery, the zucchini, you know, the squashes and those kind of things. 
It sounds wonderful. And I hope that our listeners have gotten some ideas on what they can do to to help their families and help themselves. Because I've said this before, it really starts from the top. Right. And they have to be able to, and I think people don't know that they can reach out to a caring nutrition professional that's not going to definitely gouge them or what does a nutritionist do? You know, what? why I created SustainWell was because of my expertise in more of the, the clinical side, the nutrition, the nutrient side, but yet I still struggle to feed my kids and I still struggle myself to, you know, keep weight off and learn it's not about the weight, it's about what I put in my body and having a better relationship with those food groups. So I wanted to make sure I could educate parents and mature women to not have an adverse relationship with a donut. It's just a donut, but how much emotion we put on the donut. You know, I'll often say, so when was the first time you had a donut? And they're like, why are you asking me that question? And I'm like, well, when was it? You know, because, you know, I remember growing up, my dad would go down to Jack's Donuts, get these warm cinnamon donuts and bring it back on Sunday at like eight o'clock. So before church, we'd have these donuts and milk and then go to church. And after we'd have like a brunch with steak and eggs and then we'd watch football. You know, that was my Sunday. So growing up, it was that relationship I had with my dad. And then when he passed on, it's like when I'm feeling emotional, it's like, ooh, you know, I want a donut. And when you relate that and understand that I'm really looking for that emotion that I want to give him a big hug and I can't because he's not around. So if you can kind of connect that, do I really need to, what's, what am I feeling? Do I really need to eat that? And then if I can control it with, I'm going to do it, it's emotional time, it's that period. And then then know that the plan next is a salad with some chicken on it for That's lunch. Right. It's not four donuts and then, oh, my God, I blew my diet because it's not the diet that I try to help people with and help them plan and understand. It's the behavior and that routine or that habit that you do over and over again that you don't even recognize. So breaking those patterns of behavior and then introducing a new pattern of let's try tomatoes. And, you know, that you make me think of my upbringing, and that is that every every family gathering, there was always lots of food. Right. And it does. It made me feel good. And I realized that even as myself – that eating kind of brought back that emotion of being together and right. being with family. But what I try to teach others is you can still enjoy that family time without like grazing on everything that's out and available all day. Take in the moment instead right. of taking in the excess food. And and that brings up uh, an issue that we really need to talk about, it's becoming Thanksgiving and, you know, the holidays are coming on and people are like, oh, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm going to eat whatever I want. I'll worry about it later. But if we keep using that saying, I'll wait till 2022, 2023, I'll wait, I'll wait, I'll wait. That's a pattern of behavior. 
Why don't we start right now and look at and call the family and say, what's everyone bringing? Where are we going to be? Can we trim it down? Do we need nine pies? Do we need a turkey and a ham and a roast beef and 15 million sides? Do we need the stuffing and the mashed potatoes and the gravy and the yada, 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 yada? Oh, well, Joey needs that and Tommy needs that. But Tommy's not coming. So let's look plan. at plan. Like, do I need – this goes back to do I need corn, sweet potatoes, and mashed potatoes and a roll? Yeah, all Those starches. are all starches. So – Okay, if you're at that situation, you can eat mashed potatoes anytime. You can make mashed potatoes with meatloaf. You can have it. So pass that up. I can have a roll anytime unless maybe it's Sarah's homemade baked rolls that you never see. You know, <laughs> My a special, Armenian rolls. Yeah, the Armenian rolls that, you know, you only make once in a while. Then I might do the roll. Yeah, but do I to. need the corn? A corn is not a food group. <laughs> It, it doesn't digest. It comes out the same way as it goes in. It really is non-nutritional. So really look at, okay, maybe I'll do more turkey. What's wrong with doing some a salad? Making a pretty, pretty spinach and different colors. You, know, you can green for the spinach. You can put some tomatoes in there. You can throw some radishes in there. You can throw some quinoa in there. You can throw different colors. You can throw some pine nuts in there. You can throw some fatty cheese in there. So you're loading the plate with that salad and the turkey. And then you have a little bit of maybe a sweet potato or you have a little bit of stuffing. And then you, you, you've got everything you want. Now you can enjoy the company, the, mem- you know, the people because you're going there to build memories and relationship. So we really need to look at the event – and what could I bring that could be different? And maybe what you need to bring to be successful is the veggie tray, the fruit tray, the salad. And, you know, those are the things that not only make us feel good, but they they fill us up. Right. They're, they're nutrient dense. So we tend to um, be feel full longer. And again, it's the same way with kids. And they will, once they learn to eat more and more nutrient-dense foods, then they're not going to want to snack and graze all day long. Right. And they're going to crave those foods. So another tip is taking your um, muffin tin and putting those vegetables and fruits in foods in that muffin tin. So you put grapes and tomatoes and maybe radishes and your carrots and your Brussels sprouts and one new, a little bit of dip, a little bit of hummus, a little bit of guac, and they can dip it and it can sit out there and they learn. And it could be just one that has just six runs or maybe the mini one that only has a few to start. And if they have a tray, they're going to go back and say, hey, mom, I want more snap peas. And you're like, snap peas. And then they're going to crave the water. They're going to be more active. They're not going to want the Doritos. You, you're not going to buy them. And then your grocery budget is going to be, they say, a little bit more, but it's going to be healthier. It's better that than getting on Lipitor at 15. And and I did, I did just recently diagnose a 17-year-old with high lipids. They're going to have to see cardiology. It, it's... It, it it makes me feel sad, but we're gonna make some changes right. and, and, and he's gonna be okay. And that's that it just you, it starts today, it starts right now. You know, we always say, Okay, twenty 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 two is around the corner, but 
we still have a whole other right. quarter of 2021. So take some small steps. I tell families, start with just a few things. Do those, do them well, so you feel successful. And then build on it. Because if we say everything all at once, chances are it's not going to be right. feasible for us to do. So baby steps. And, and make small changes to really motivate your whole family, including yourself, to eat um, a healthier meal. And that could be, you know, October's around the corner. You know, start off with that month and, and pick that one change. So we're going to introduce one new vegetable this month and and pick that vegetable and keep trying it for the four weeks of the month. And I would bet if you did that with the kids – and did that for about a week or so, before you even get to the end of the month, they might be like, what's the next one we're going to try? Right, exactly. So that's what we mean by baby steps, something as simple as that. Not say, oh, we're going we're gonna to get healthy. <laughs> we're going to get on this health kick. We're going to exercise. We're going to drink water. We're going to get rid of all the crap, the cookies, the cakes, the brownies, the Halloween candy is all going to go. Not realistic. No, it's not because you go two days, you got a headache, you're not feeling good. You go through a detox, you're not feeling well. And where are you going? You're going to your buddy's house to get some snack wells or some M&Ms or something like that. So wean slowly, you know, you can't, you know, you got to assess how much Doritos do I eat? What am I missing? And then add that. We could talk oh, all night about yeah, exactly, this, and, and sure. I hope you'll come back. Oh, definitely, and and we can even build on this, and even talk more and more about how to make nutritious meals. But I really am so grateful that you are here with me today. That I get a chance to share your knowledge by by introducing you to um, to my podcast and you're my first guest. Yay! So I feel honored. I do want to tell everyone that Colleen and I went to college together. And so we've known each other for a long time. And I really trust what she has to say. And she's done some wonderful things for the families um, that she has uh, uh, worked with. So thank you so much. Yeah, and don't, you know, t- the audience, don't be afraid to reach out to me, you know, just for, you know, information. That's no, no charge. I'm always passionate about, I have a lot of recipes and ideas and, you know, who knows where that'll go. If you have a mom's group, I love to come speak to, you know, moms and different things. So you can find me on Facebook at Sustainable, or you can just go to my website and just learn, you know, take those steps because, Sarah and I's passion is really helping families live well and eat well and sustain a lifestyle that is uh, conducive. And that's why you became a pediatrician, right? (laughs) Absolutely. Well, I think you said it so well. We're going to end with that. But thank you. I look forward to having you you back. Thank you for having me. It was wonderful. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, remember to check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you enjoy your shows. And let's grow up together with Dr. Sarah.